So last week I gave you this, a challenge. As I wrapped up, we started a new series out of the Beatitudes, and I wrapped up and I gave you a challenge. And I said, I need you to pray. Over the next three weeks, for 21 days, through this series, through Labor Day weekend, September 1st, this was when the series is going to end, to pray. See what God can do in 21 days with who you are and what we're learning about the Beatitudes. I gave you a long list of things as well, but we're focusing in on like the Beatitude part of that, what we're growing in in this. But there's some things that the church to pray specifically for. So I want to give you an update on some updates. Usually I don't do this um, because I gave you the updates last week, but I want to tell you what's happened in the last week. This is really cool. So as we started praying about this, we had a group come into the church. If you weren't here last week and you didn't hear it, we had a group come in. Um, it's a national-wide group that helps churches and their focus. And it's, the name of the group is Intentional Churches. And we've asked them to come in and be a part of us over the next year as we relocate and build a building. Um, we know our focus is not on the building. That's not our goal. That's, it's just a building. It's just a tool that we're using to do ministry. And so we've asked this group to come in and talk to us and help us and coach us through making sure that we stay focused on ministry, not just a building while we're doing this. And the more we talked and the more we discussed and the more we got into it, the more, this is the cool part, the more we talked about you. And some of you we talked about specifically, like how does this, how do we help? How do we help these people grow. What do we do with this? This is part of what we're doing. And here, even better than that, the more we talked about you, the more we talked about your friends. And I could see it in our staff and in our leadership, our hearts breaking for what breaks your heart, I hope, which is your friends that, that aren't here, that don't know who Christ is, that don't know the peace and the the hope that can come through a relationship with our God and what we have and what we want to share. And we want to help you help your friends. Um, we want you to have that yourself, but we want you to be a part of it. So here's, here's one of the big things um, that, that I see in this. It's beyond us. It's bigger than what we can do. And that's to pray about this. So we've asked you a challenge in prayer, but I want to give you something specific as well. We have um, a prayer team that is being started it's been there before, it's kind of gone away, it's coming back, it kind of fluctuates, but I want you to be part of a team that is bigger than you, more than what you can do. So on Sunday mornings, we've got a couple guys that have committed to coming out early, um, 5.30ish on a Sunday morning. If that's you, you're like, uh, great. If that's not, you're like, no, not me. <laughs> Forget that part of it. Um, but a couple guys that are showing up early to start praying over this place and what's happening here on Sunday mornings. But maybe that's not it. We want people as well that will pray during the services. And maybe that's you. It doesn't have to be all service the whole time, but at the beginning of the service. So maybe you come before this service and you pray for the last hour um, of people. And in our prayer room, you just you pray for what's going on, the worship time, the teaching the hearts that are in here, as well as the friends that have been invited, hoping that they show up. We want you to be a part of something like that. I think you would make a great addition to that. Let us know how how you can be a part of that, to invest in other people's lives and invite them to be here as well and to be praying for them. Plus our building, um, the project, the building, the loan, the campaign that we're doing, the, the resources that are coming in, they're coming in great. Please continue to keep that up and ask for God's blessing as you do that. Um, and if you're not part of that and you want to be, that's really cool. We'd love to have you join in with us. But I got to give you an update 
state of this building as well. I kind of told you about it last week, and I don't want to give too much away. I can't give details, but we currently have two offers on this location. And it wasn't there last week. So this is really cool. Because we started praying about this, what God is already doing and moving on. I'm excited about that. We'll give you details as we can with it. Um, But ministry is wise. Rooted is coming up. We have people stepping up to be leaders. We have people stepping in to say, yeah, sign me up. I want to go through this program. I want to, I want to study God's Word. I'm going to learn how to do that. That's what Rooted is all about, to get you started on a personal growth plan with God. Um, learn more about it. Sign up for that. Our ministries that are happening even today with our students. Um, the women's ministry had a great event here yesterday. God is doing some really cool things here. Your friends that don't know Jesus to come. And here's a cool one as well. Baptisms. I ask you to pray about this for people to make that decision and to step into that and go down that path. Um, we had one last week. We had one Tuesday that wasn't planned here at Crestview. And we have one today that wasn't planned last week with it. So keep praying for people to make decisions like that. God is going to bless us through it. So here's where we started with it. Poor in spirit, pray about this. To be poor in spirit, to be meek, humble, and gentle, to be pure in heart. Those those were the first Beatitudes that we talked about. And I got a couple comments this week. Here was one that kind of came back to me this way. Um, They said, I'm going to take you up on your challenge to pray about this and to be poor in spirit and that concept of i'm going to take a step back from even my business not that they quit doing what they were doing but just saying i'm going to let god lead it instead of me trying to make everything happen and as they did they said look we're pretty busy this is pretty tough i'm going to take a step back poor in spirit let god lead through their business within hours they got a um, call from somebody that said they needed them to come in and do something for them and it helped expand their business God had done an unexpected thing for them simply because they stepped back and got out of God's way and let God lead them. So if you stay humble and you stay pure, there's nothing that God cannot do through you to do amazing things. Now, it wasn't just last week. On Monday, I sent out an email to everybody that we have an email for um, encouraging you on this. This is what we're challenging you to do. If you didn't get that email... I would love to have your email address, not because I need it. I'm trying to collect information. I want to send you a bunch of junk. It's because I want to help you grow. I want to help you be better at this, to find that hope and that peace that God can give. So we sent this out with this prayer challenge. Um, This was one of the quotes in it, and this is how one of the things I said last week as we closed. If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. And I believe that with all my heart. If you focus in on what he, Jesus teaches us, these Beatitudes, and do those little things like they're very, very important, God will do amazing things through you. And we want that. I think all of us want God to do amazing things in our lives, but it's not our job. It's not my job to do the amazing things. In fact, I can't do amazing things in my life. My job is to surrender to the Lordship of Christ, to be a servant and a follower of His, to become poor in spirit, to become meek and humble, to become pure in heart, and let God do his job. I don't believe that you have to go out and seek out opportunities. I believe that if you seek after God, opportunities will come to you. He'll bring you amazing things. You don't have to just believe in yourself or think positive thoughts. If you resolve in your heart to do the right thing, seek after God, He will honor that, and he'll bring you more than you know. 
So here we are, Matthew chapter 5. Let's jump into this. Matthew 5, if you have your Bibles, um, turn there. If you don't, your phones, get your phones open, your Bible apps um, open, Matthew 5. And again, we're not looking at the Beatitudes in order, you know, just one by one down the list. We are looking at them in groupings, kind of practical ways for how we can apply them to our lives. So last week, again, it was this, poor in spirit, meek, which means humble and gentle, pure in heart. This is who we are, who you are. In this. Then today, what you do. What do you do? We're going to talk about mercy and peace. Next week, it's what you feel. Feelings inside of us. We're going to mourn and hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those are feelings and how we handle those. And if we do these things, there's probably going to come persecution. It's what we endure persecution. So, Beatitudes. Um, To give you a better explanation of this, and it's not just that list that I just gave you, which oftentimes what we connect with the Beatitudes and what Jesus teaches, but yet it's something more than that. So if I could give you a list of synonyms of Beatitudes and this, this is what this is all wrapped up like. So think about all of these things wrapped up into one. Bliss, ecstasy, happiness, peace, serenity, joy, gladness. All of these things together in one. This is what Jesus is after for us. This is what he wants to bless us with. The Beatitudes. What do you do? The objective and what we do is peacemaking. Our objective, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemaking, now that's different than other types of peace and then understanding with this, peacemakers. Peace can be confusing because maybe we see it different as how we grew up and what comes to us. Maybe you grew up around peace breakers. Peace breakers, that would be one set of people. They like to instigate. They like to fight. Um, these would be the ones that just stir the pot for fun. They like to poke the bear just to see what the bear's going to do um, and see what comes out of that. Peace breakers. Um, scripture teaches us don't cause quarrels. Don't cause fights. Don't go looking for one. That's not what we're after. But then there's another group, peace fakers. Peace fakers, these are the people that just run. Maybe you've got children like this. Maybe you've married to somebody like this. Maybe coworkers. When conflict comes, they, they get out. They're just like, I'm leaving. I got to leave for a little bit. I hate you know, the conflict. And they just have to run from it, um, avoiding truth. Even if it's staring them right in the face, they just say, I can't have conflict. Peace fakers, they got to run from it. Here's where it gets confusing, though. Because we often look at peacekeepers the same way as peacemakers. And peacekeepers are different. Peacekeepers are good if there's peace already. They can keep it going. But peacekeepers often just want to compromise. And this gets tough. Because Scripture teaches us sometimes you have to step into a wartime. Sometimes there is conflict. And we have to get to true peace. And sometimes the peacekeepers have a tough time with this because it's always just compromise. And here's what I mean by this. Let's say we have somebody that stands for the truth. Here's the truth. You know the truth. You believe the truth. This is the truth. There's evidence with it, but there's somebody over here that is not. So it's not truth. They don't believe the truth. They don't know the truth. And so you've got two opposite views or opinions. A peacekeeper says, let's compromise. Let's all come together somewhere in the middle. You give up a little. You give up a little. You see where the conflict is in that already? You're asking somebody that is a truth seeker or believer that is searching for the truth to give up part of the truth. And you can't do that. 
You can't give up part of the truth because then you're not helping the situation out at all. And peacekeepers will bring that together instead of finding out what is really true. This is why I think this is so important, what Jesus teaches us here, because we need peacemakers. A peacemaker will find truth and stand for it and do it in such a way that others can come around that. It's bigger than us. I've given this advice a lot over the years. Um, I'm not the best counselor in the world, but yet when it comes to conflict and relationships, this is probably the number one advice that I always give, and I try and apply it to my life the best I can. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And here's the beauty of this verse. It says, if it is possible. It's not always possible. There are times that we don't live at peace with everyone. But if it is possible, we need to try our best to get there. But it's not always possible. And you have to do your part. I'm not responsible for how you play, but I'm responsible for what I do in this. So as long as it depends on you, yeah, we try our best to live at peace with everyone. And if we can't, then I do it the best I can with truth and love and compassion. Humbleness, gentleness, meekness, what Jesus is teaching us here. So in a competition, a peacemaker will teach the loser how to be a good loser. They're still lost. You can't change that. How do they lose with grace and dignity? And they also teach a winner how to win gracefully. A peacemaker will want to keep the peace and do it in such a way that everyone can feel good about it. Now, here's the hard part. I'm, I'm human just like you guys. And I make mistakes. I say things wrong. I do things wrong. Um, and there may be days and times where I'm up here or in our relationships that I, we disagree. You may not agree with everything that I say or everything that I do, but I believe we can still have peace. And if we are both working at making peace, we still may land different of how I've said something or what I've done. And I may have to come and apologize for that, but we can overcome that and get to a point of peace together. But you know, the more I look at this, oftentimes what Jesus does, and I see it here in this one, this is not what he's talking about, is it? And we get lost down a rabbit trail and we look at it so far and we're talking about peace between us, but we have to go a step further. The primary purpose of what Jesus is talking about here is not peace between us. It's not what the Nobel Peace Prize Selection Committee would define peace as. The word peacemakers in the original Greek, what Jesus was speaking at here, it means to make peace between people and God. Now, absolutely, we want to live in peace together. We want to bring people together to solve disputes, to erase divisions, to reconcile differences, to eliminate strife, um, to build right relationships with each other. But unless we get a relationship with God right first, who cares about the rest, really? We could all love each other and get along with each other and all go to hell. <laughs> that would be horrible. And that would be the wrong approach to this. Our goal is not just to get along. Our goal is to be in peace with God. That's the bigger purpose of it. And a peacemaker is one who brings that peace with God. So it all starts here, your relationship with God. Are you at peace with God? 
Number one, you've got to fix that. If not, if not, then you've got to take that step and you have to come to an understanding of peace with God, you and God together. That has to come first. Philippians talks about this. Um, when, When Paul writes to the church in Philippi, then you will experience God's peace. Then you have to experience that. Beyond our understanding, it's bigger than us. We have to get that right. A peacemaker is a person who then comes and gives that to others. Romans 5.1 talks about the peace of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He made that connection for us. He made us peacemakers. And Jesus said, the peace that I give to you, John 14, the peace that I give to you as a gift is a gift that the world cannot give to you. You cannot find this anywhere else. So the world is out there waiting for us to show them what true peace is, and it's bringing people back to a relationship with God, not just peace among each other. Now, I get it. Sometimes it seems backwards um, because oftentimes the peace of God creates conflict in the world. And if you stand for what's true and stand for what Christ is teaching us, you're going to stand in conflict with the world many times And it doesn't look like you're bringing peace together. It looks like you're bringing conflict. But Jesus didn't shy away from that, but he also wasn't a doormat. He stood up for that. And somehow, through what he did and through what we can do, we can bring peace to a world that needs it. And I think it starts with our relationship with them, and then it ends with us bringing others into that relationship, teaching others about this peace of God. Okay, here's the next one. Our next objective is this. Blessed are the merciful. Mercy. Mercy is when there is no penalty or lesser penalty for what you have earned. We don't like this one. At least I don't. Mercy's hard. Mercy's hard for us to give out. I would rather give out justice. You earned it? (laughs) Then that's what you deserve. You have to pay the price for what you did. I remember the game as a kid. You guys remember this? You lock hands with your brother, sister, friends, cousins, whatever. You lock fingers, hands, and you squeeze, and you turn, and you twist, and you wait until they say uncle. That's what we'd say. Or mercy, you know, begging for them to let go of the punishment. Mercy, we don't want to give that out. In a competition, it doesn't work very well. I remember speeches in locker rooms before when I was playing organized sports, before we'd go out and play. Um, No mercy. In movies, you've seen this, these locker room talks. You don't give the other team a fighting chance on a battlefield. Um, 100 to 1, 100 to nothing. I mean, that's what you want to step into. I don't want to give the enemy a fighting chance. No mercy. However, in my life, man, I need it. I need mercy. I need, I need your mercy because I'm human and I make mistakes. I need you to give me mercy. I need the mercy of God in my life. Habakkuk begs for it. God, in your wrath, remember mercy. The Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us, forgive us as we forgive others. Show us mercy as we give others mercy. God's rich in it. Paul writes about it to the church in Ephesians. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive through Christ. And God's good at this. God is a great, 
We don't, we don't see it very well. We see his wrath. We see other things. Oftentimes we overlook his mercy. There's stories throughout the, the Israelites when they left Pharaoh and they're wandering through the desert that Moses got upset at the Israelites and he went to God and said, God, wipe them out. They don't deserve anything. God's like, no, no, not this time. I'm going to show them some mercy. Then there's other times where God says to Moses, I'm done with them, Moses. I'm ready to do away with all of them. And Moses prays back to God and says, no, God, show them mercy again. And God does. God gives us mercy over and over and over. We see it through the major prophets, the minor prophets, into the New Testament. The ten lepers come to Jesus saying, Lord, have mercy on us. The woman at the well, Jesus knew her sins, but he forgave her. He showed her mercy. The woman caught in adultery, not only did he give her mercy, but her accusers, who were also wrong, he showed mercy to. Peter when he denied Jesus, Thomas says he doubted, mercy, mercy, mercy. Mercy says, man, you messed up. You made some mistakes. But I'm going to let you off. There's no punishment. There's no penalty for the mistakes you've made. It's okay. And that mercy is good. We need it. I'm so grateful for the mercy that God shows me. But I have to ask the question, do I show it to others? Do I forgive? When, when you forgive someone and you don't carry a grudge, that's showing mercy. When you forgive without wanting to pay them back, when you write off a penalty for the sin against you, you're showing mercy to someone else. And there's rewards that come with this. Let's look at these. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Now, sons of God and peacemaking, this is a fun one. This is kind of one that you have to look at and see to unpack just a little bit. The disciples, I'm not sure they got it. I'm not sure I get it completely either. Let's see if we can get somewhere with this. When they were up on the side of the mountain and Jesus was teaching them this, I wonder if they understood the leadership principle with this. What is Jesus trying to teach? If we looked at this as a leadership thing and trying to understand the leadership lessons of Jesus and what he teaches, can we get to this? And I think the clue is, is here. There's something about peacemaking and being called sons of God that are very true and very important for us. Paul, when he writes to the church in Galatians, I think he unpacks this one. Whether he's doing it directly or not, it, it's there. Um, so chapter 3 of Galatians, it says, Now before faith came, and faith here he's talking about Jesus. Before Jesus came, the New Testament, the New Covenant he says, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So it's this idea, under the Old Testament, we were living under the Old Testament law, and we were slaves to that law. But Jesus came along and freed us from that. Verse 24, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by our faith, our faith in him and what he can do through us. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We're no longer slaves to that. For in Christ, you are all called sons of God because children weren't slaves. You became part of the family. You're called a son of God through your faith. For as many of you as were baptized, that's why baptism is important to us. We recognize baptism as that step and that belief that I'm now no longer a slave, but I'm a child of God. Through baptism into Christ, we have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, 
We're part of the family. You've been adopted in. Heirs according to the promise. This is critical. It's very important for us to understand and see. There's a critical, crucial difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Life under the old covenant was slavery. We were slaves to the law. We had to obey the certain rules that were laid out for us. But life in Christ made us free in that. Freedom that comes as a child. You're a child now of God. He says it, sons of God. Both men and women are characterized as having the rights of son because they had to explain it this way. In the Old Testament, the inheritance would have been given to the sons, mostly the oldest son. But because of this, because of this new covenant, now everyone, Jew, Greeks, slaves, frees, males, females, it doesn't matter. We are all considered adopted children of God. Sons of God who can receive that inheritance. When you become a peacemaker, meaning when you bring someone else into a relationship with Christ and show them that they can have what you have in this, then you're recognized as a follower of Christ and it's a characteristic of the family. You're bringing another adopted brother or sister into this family. Blessed are the peacemakers. You will be called a son and receive the inheritance of what God gives to us. Blessed are the merciful. I love this one too, for they will be shown mercy. What goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. That's a good thing if what you're sowing and um, what you're giving out is a good thing. If you're not showing mercy, you better be careful. (laughs) Watch out, right? But if you are showing mercy, you reap what you sow. Now, this doesn't mean that you will receive mercy from other people just because you show them mercy. That's not the promise of God. The promise of God is this, that if you show mercy to someone else, he will show mercy to you. You'll get the mercy of God, which is way more important than mercy from someone else. But it does teach us, Luke 6, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. And here's the best part about it. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured out into your lap. What God can give you is way more than what we can give to each other. He'll press it down. He'll shake it together. He'll run it over. He'll give you more mercy than you will know what to do with. So here's my challenge for you this week. As you pray through this, I still want you to keep praying. Every single day, pray through these Beatitudes that you're seeing this in your life, that you're showing this. Who needs your mercy? Who is it in your life that you need to show mercy to? Who is it that you're carrying a grudge with that um, you haven't forgiven, that you've just got something in you against them and you hope that there's a payback to them? Show them some mercy. Mercy doesn't mean either that you make up with them and you become best friends again. It's not that. Mercy just it gets that weight off of you as well as with them. Just show them some mercy and love. Peace. Where is there conflict in your life? Where is peace needed? Now, sometimes to get to peace, there has to be some confrontation. Sometimes peace requires that, and that's tough. But remember the bigger conflict here, and the bigger part of it is peace with God. So I'm going to ask you this, who are you investing in? Who do you need to invest in? Who do you need to take this good news of what Jesus has done to? If you invest in them, who are you inviting then? 
There's open seats here this morning. There's room for your friends to come and be a part of what we're doing. Have you invited them to come? Have you invited them to be a part of what God is doing to show them? If you haven't, be a peacemaker. Invite somebody to come and be a part of the family of God. Sometimes to get to peace, you have to show mercy first. And here's what God did for us. His mercy, his peace turned into something bigger. It turned into grace. Grace says something more. Mercy says no penalty. Grace says there's still a penalty and I'll pay it for you. And that's what Christ did for us. He took on our penalty and he paid that for us. And that's what we have to share with someone else. He's the God, the only God that can save. We can't save anyone else, but when we connect them with the God that does save, then that's an amazing thing. He's the one who came in and rescued us when we needed it, and we want to share that rescue with someone else. How can we help you do that and be that peacemaker that God calls you to be? I'm going to ask you to stand, um, and as you stand, we're going to sing a song that prepares our hearts for a time to remember what Jesus did for us. And as you sing these words that God did save, that he is the one who rescued us, think about that person that needs it as well, that you need to share this story with. If you would, let's stand together and let's prepare to remember Jesus.